Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. No creeping is going on here. Is no. <laughs> hey, my name is Michael Jones. I got Dr. Steve Harvey. We hey. got Eric Beto Robert running the show. Yeah, now it's it's radio. Yeah. But I just wanted to, can we do a quick eye check? Everybody can still see. Oh, yes. After right. we all yes. survived the 4th. That's no, right. Happy 4th of July weekend. There's been a, there's been a critical increase <laughs> in fireworks-related injuries we forgot to mention last week That's right. to every protect year. your eyes. Yes, every year we always talk about the, the fireworks. Dr. Harvey, in my line of work, the 4th huh? of July is like the absolute worst day of the year. Oh, I can imagine. Fortunately, yeah. I was not on call this year, so it was good. But Good, good. But we usually <laughs> warn our audience. It's yeah. like these bottle rockets have a homing beacon for the eye. Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I, I can't. I Ever since, you know, the how long have we been doing this show? Seven, Seven years? Seven or eight yeah. years. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. and, and it's been an increased awareness every year <laughs> where it's like, in the beginning, I was like, okay, well, maybe it's not advisable to shoot, uh, you know, Roman candles at each other. I, I get it. Dr. Yeah. Jones has a point. Yeah. And yeah. then by now, I'm like, I don't know. I don't want to be within a mile's radius of where they're being <laughs> shot off. Heard too many stories. The scary thing is my kids shoot roman candles of course course, (laughs) well i figure if something happens i'm right there (laughs) now i guess dr harvey there's no psychiatric emergencies that happen on july 4th not 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 too many not not, not that many no (laughs) yeah and 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 most of them are alcohol related (laughs) yeah Yeah, right i i did hear this This is interesting that july 4th is the most common day for your pets to go missing Really? Oh, I guess all sense. the noises. Yeah. They noise run, and they yeah. run off. Right. Yeah. And you're drunk and so you're not watching your pets yeah. and they run off, yeah. something like that. Interesting. Yeah. So I hope everyone had a good fourth. <laughs> Blow something yeah. up. Yeah. Great watch time. something be blown up. We watch stuff get blown up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And nothing says celebrating the birth of our nation like blowing up a piece of it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> Eric, I see you're rocking the Dakota Grizzly t shirt yeah. here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It looks very so nice. The most yeah. comfortable t-shirt I own. Yes. And just nice. by the way, for the listeners that aren't aware, Dakota Grizzly, local company, St. Uh-huh. Louis company, dakotagrizzly.com. They make all these cool t-shirts and other shirts, actually all sorts of clothes. It's most comfortable clothes you'll but buy. the t-shirts are fantastic. So check it out, dakotagrizzly.com. I just had to mention it because it looks so good That's on right. here. Yeah. yeah. It's fantastic. It's one of my favorite shirts. So, uh, hey, Dr. Harvey, you've yeah. got some, we have yeah. someone else sitting here. Well, you well, guess who, we who do. is this? Who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So sitting to my left is, is Dr. Brian Perlman. He's our guest today. Uh, Dr. Perlman is a, a, a veteran educator, a, a former teacher, former principal. Uh, now works as a keynote speaker, talking all over the nation about uh, mental health in schools. He wears many hats. He also manages his wife's uh, mental health practice, Dr. Lena Perlman and Associates. Uh, But we're going to talk about his book, uh, which is Whatever It Takes for All Students to Succeed in School and Life. And we're going to talk about mental health in schools. And there's we could probably do five episodes out of this. Yeah. There, there's a whole lot of stuff to talk this about. This runs the this is a typical course of the show. Um we typically have guests on that we can get free information out of. Exactly. That's kind of how this whole show started, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. So if I'd have a shoulder injury, we'd bring in like an orthopedic doctor. He'd look at it, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Nice well, free checkout. Yeah. Uh, between myself and Eric, there's we have 10 children. That's yes. right. And then 12, including me. 12. Yeah, 12. Uh-huh. 
So, Doctor Pearl, twelve total to be clear. You got a lo- yeah, we're going to get some free advice out of you, right? That's right. Absolutely. I kind of think that's the reason why I'm here today. <laughs> it's starting to dawn on him. But, uh, <laughs> you know, sometimes so glad you're here. Yeah. We have a question. Sometimes uh, I bring that whole army of childrens in with me. Right? We do. Like yeah. last weekend, I brought them all in because we were going to see the Stanley Cup. But this weekend, I said, "Hey, do you guys want to come into the radio show?" We're having uh, a mental health, uh, a children's mental health guy come in, and they're like, no, we're out. No. <laughs> so interview you on the air. No, no, no. <laughs> so I'm excited to talk, Re- really excited to talk about it, because this is a great topic, and it actually is very germane for us. Absolutely. And it does seem like, uh, before we go to break here, we'll get into this more in the second segment, but it does seem like, in general, the mental health of our students in our schools is, seems to be declining. That's a fair statement. <laughs> yeah. That's a loaded statement too, right? Yes. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I think that it is uh, something, you know, traveling across the country is certainly uh, not a unique thing to St. Louis or Missouri. I think it's pretty much the same thing we see in every town and, and state that we go to. So I, I really look forward to talking about what what you think are the origins of this and what are some of the things we can do to fix it, you know, to make it better. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. You folks may notice... That Dr. Perlman's voice just sounds fantastic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's showing me. He used up to be here. a DJ. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. A really long time ago. I think <laughs> kind of right. like the eight track and, and record time. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, that's like professional. Could fit right in on Casey. Yeah. yeah actually, really yeah. good. Very good. What sorts of music were you uh, spinning back then? Oh, my gosh. Uh, you know. <laughs> were we talking rock or was it? Yeah, sure. A little bit of rock, um, pretty some pop. Uh, you know, anything from The Cure, R.E.M., and that sort of thing. I think going back a bit to some uh, disco things in there, too. But I'll tell you right now, man, uh, listening to the radio, I've got the the whole spectrum on there. Well, it's great now. I mean, technology yeah. has really changed how we can listen to music, right? I mean, back in the day, you had a tape or a CD, a CD even more recently. But you have... A, Eric has a whole library of music literally on that computer right in front of him. In fact, we all have a library on our phone. It's just pretty amazing. You can have much more eclectic taste now with these new music services, right? Well, it's pretty it's pretty rare that someone not only you know has access to that level of music, but with uh, Doctor Perlman's voice, he's not faking that. We hear it in the studio yeah, too. Yeah, I mean, that's there's like, no compression being run yeah, there. No, that's, that's not like special. Real. That is the real you know, deal. you can do some tricks with modern technology. That's just that's straight from I mean, the. Uh, you're making us look bad. Can you maybe drink some orange juice or get, something? Get some helium. <laughs> can we get, get a helium tank in <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. A helium tank. Yeah. A helium tank. <laughs> Actually, what we could do is we could just have him read famous quotes for the rest of there the show. There you go. There you that go. I'm up for it, guys. Whatever you want. Whatever you like. Beautiful. Um, hey, Dr. Perlman did bring his book in, so I can mm-hmm. look at it, so I will. Now I can read this to my children, and it's got a brain, a heart, and a smiley face on the front of it, so that's fantastic. Yeah. It's called Whatever It Takes. Where can Before we get to the first break, where can people pick up a copy of your book? Uh, no doubt the best spot to go, I think, to buy pretty much anything right now, including this book, is on Amazon. Uh, that's the best spot. Otherwise... Uh, sometimes people want an autographed copy or some message or something on it. They could reach out to me uh, personally, but the majority of the book sales uh, go through Amazon. Fantastic. It's so true. There you go. Yeah. Keep it easy. 
Amazon. Do you do, is there a Kindle version as well, ebook and and printed? Or actually, no, there isn't. They're oh, all just uh, paperback books at this point. Maybe that's something uh, we should have thought of. There I'll you tell go. you what, what you really need to think of is an audio book. Yeah, yeah. Voice yeah, here. that's right. Um, yeah, you can narrate your own audio yourself. Book. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Audio book would be great. <laughs> well, hey, I can't wait to talk about it because I know, and even off the air, we were making some jokes about what is going on lately and what your theories are, what's going on, and what we can do to fix it. So it's going to be great. I can't wait. So, folks, I want you to stay tuned. We're going to have more with Dr. Brian Perlman, um, Dr. Steve Harvey, mm-hmm. Eric, myself, more Eye on Health after these words. We're back. We're back. 97.1 Eye on Health. Uh, I'm Dr. Steve Harvey. we got Dr. Michael Jones, Eric Robert, and our special, special Special guest, Dr. Brian Perlman. How are you doing this morning, Dr. Perlman? I'm doing so great, and I really appreciate the invitation to come here and be with you guys this morning. This is a, a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, we're, we're thrilled to have you here. We, we are just really ecstatic about this. So we are. Uh, the, our topic today is going to be uh, mental health in schools. And as, as we mentioned before, Dr. Perlman travels around the country talking about mental health issues in schools, is the author of Whatever It Takes, which is available on Amazon. And uh, lots of questions, but I, I think the first question we want to ask is, we hear so much about mental health problems in school kids these days with depression and anxiety and, and aggression and things like that. And uh, so, and we hear different schools of thought, like, is it is it really more prevalent now or are we just more aware of it? Uh, or if, if it is more common now, then why? So as, as, the, as the kids would say these days, what up with that? <laughs> what up with oh that? Oh, my God. Well, hold on. <laughs> Can we cut that out? <laughs> There's a seven-second delay. That will take off the podcast. Right, cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> you know, it's a, it's a great question uh, that you ask, and it's probably a little bit of, of everything uh, that you said. I think uh, nowadays, certainly it's more uh, socially acceptable to have conversations uh, about mental health. I think mm-hmm. that things were, were called other things, you know, back, back in school, maybe they would say a student who we would say now is, is dealing with attention issues yeah. might've just said they were hyper and br- blame the kid. And yeah. maybe you need to work harder or focus harder and, and, and blame the kid for that. Uh, maybe it was kind of like my dad growing up, uh, you know, he boxed a little bit growing up was kind of a, a tough guy and his solution to anything, whether it's physical or mental health is, throw some dirt on it. You know, I don't know how much that helps mental health. I'm not sure that there's many rec- much research to, to back that. Any evidence-based medicine? On that. <laughs> Probably not. And, and I think from, from his father and, and so forth, that was kind of the school of thought. And, and we just don't talk about those things, but certainly I think that has had a big, a big impact on, on what's going on uh, with the kids. I mean, people have, have talked about the amount of time people are spending on screens or the fact that, you know, we're not sitting as a family around, you know, a meal anymore. And and is there a breakdown in that? And does that have some impact even more so? I remember my experience in like kindergarten and first grade. And I think like we, we had to prove that we could play, you could play and you could eat and you passed kindergarten. And today the expectations, even starting at that young of an age is that at the end of kindergarten, a kid should be able to write a paragraph. I mean, I probably was 10 years old, maybe before I could write a paragraph or something. So I think those are a, a lot of reasons uh, why and, and whether it's more prevalent or not, or maybe, maybe we're just better at 
identifying that there there's a real a lot of real problems out there and, and a lot of uh, kids and teens hurting and, and in need of help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess it's not uh, it's not necessarily just stuff going on in the schools, but stuff going on in families and in society at large and, and all of that. I, I know a lot of people uh, point the finger at social media for various reasons. And wait, Do you have any thoughts about that? Do you, do you blame social media or I not? I point my finger sure. at social media for everything. Yeah, you yeah, that, that. that's right. right. <laughs> it's, it's an easy target. <laughs> and, and po- easy. Possibly a worthy target. Do you have any opinions about that, Dr. Perlman? What, what do you think? You know, the, the, the thing about social media, I think pretty much anything we could bring up, there, there are probably some pros and some cons to just about anything. I think the exposure uh, that kids have, even at a younger age, those are just spending a lot of time on social media on their phone or on a tablet or computer. I'm sure that's replacing things that, that probably all of us mm-hmm. did, you know, outside playing ball, running around, you know, socially that way, not really having that, that close conversation with someone, which I think has certainly had a negative impact. I think the other part is this whole concept you hear all the time of fear of missing out on something. So, you know, younger and younger kids are staying up, you know, beyond midnight on a school night because they don't want to miss out on some conversation or, or something. I think the, the peer pressure obviously in, in that vein, uh, has a real potentially negative Mm -hmm. impact. I think, you know, when all of us went to school, if we had a problem with someone, we'd kind of just go face to face. And sometimes you go face to face and say something someone doesn't like, you might get punched in the mouth. Well, that doesn't really happen. There's kind of this uh, safe feeling of I can say or do whatever I want because I'm in my basement and you're nowhere near here. So I think all of those things uh, have have played a, a part uh, on that. And and as far as social media goes, you know, it's it's kind of maybe a necessary evil for a lot of us. Um, mm-hmm. I think as time goes, we'll probably learn a lot more about that and and the positives and also all the negatives. And maybe as parents and people in the community, we can help change that a little bit. Yeah. Now, now I have a quick question. Three esteemed medical doctors in the in the studio here. Uh, what's an appropriate age to start allowing kids exposure to social media? I uh, you know there's there's a lot of parents who are, you know, it's pretty much from the time the kid can feel 30 yeah. something like <laughs> that. Yeah. 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 So we'll, we'll we'll put Dr. Jones on one side of the the ledger, uh, <laughs> you know. Look, you know, and maybe it's an age range, but is there, yeah. a, you know, is there is there a threshold where you're like, boy, that, you know, younger than ten, that's it, there's there's a lot of changes. I don't I don't know. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm just off the top of my head. I'm thinking early teens, but that's yeah. that's really just off the top of my head. I think that's a pretty common age. I mean, yeah. um, I'm speaking more as a parent than as a physician because I have zero training. In that. Sure. I mean, when we were going through medical yeah. school, there was no such thing as there social was. media, yeah, but. Yeah. Um, one of the aspects of it, Dr. Perlman, that really has struck me, and we have talked about this time and again, is the addictive qualities of some of these programs. Mm-hmm. They are specifically designed to be addictive. And you mentioned it's great. Mm-hmm. They don't want to miss out on anything. So they literally will sleep with their phone so that as soon as some kind of message rolls in, they're able to respond to it and see it. Um, the, the programs themselves have been made addictive. And I think that that, look, if they're not getting sleep, they're going to act out in school the next day, right? I think that that's a, a very valid point. I've heard a lot about that, and and maybe even without the my what I'm going to share, maybe without the evidence to back it. But uh, have you guys been to a concert recently or a sporting event? I mean, there are far more eyeballs on a screen than watching mm-hmm. the band or watching yeah. 
the, yeah. the you know the even the Blues win the Stanley Cup. There's something more interesting, I guess, on on Twitter or something else. So yeah. uh, there definitely are addicting qualities to that. All of us, you know, and I'll speak for myself as a 47 year old. I had a big portion of my life pre-computer, pre-handheld, pre-any of that. So I'm able to marshal that myself and balance it because, I mean, I didn't get my hands on these things till adulthood. Right. Mm-hmm. I think the the potentially there could be some positives, but the negative is if this is what you grew up on. I mean, I, I travel a lot. I go to airports, and there are, there are babies in strollers with some device in their hand, maybe as a pacifying quality or something. And mm-hmm. I guess you got to get through the airport, and you got to you know travel. And as a, another person, the people in your row probably love the fact that the baby's not you know screaming or kicking or running down the aisle. But there has to be some negative impact um, on people from just having their eyeballs in that all the time, and 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 kind of questioning or thinking about whether it's content that their peers are creating or other content that's posted, you know, there is some level of, of control or manipulation there that, that as a parent uh, that does, and an educator that concerns me as well. Yeah. 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 So, um, so we're all talking about what we can do as parents. What can the educators do? Um, Of course, I'm sure there are rules in school where it says, look, you can't use Snapchat during school. I would, I would hope hope there's rules. but what can the educators do or the counselors in the school to help with some of this problem? Well, as far as the, the using, you know, devices in school, I think the, the most innovative and the most effective have found ways to incorporate that as an educational tool. Uh, even as much as programs where, you know, you might pose a question and then have the students use their device to answer the question or having a, a research component that would necessitate you to use that. So having an understanding, you know, I first, I mean, years ago when phones started coming, even in the elementary uh, world, we had this absolute no no tolerance, which every kid had one in their backpack anyway. It was kind of like I could spend all day, you know, have 600 kids lined up, all of them getting a consequence for having this, but kind of making the realization that we have to kind of incorporate that uh, in a positive. I think through the counselor in the school and and the others, maybe modeling uh, different use, maybe even just helping train kids that look outside. I mean, it's sunny and blue skies outside, you know, after school, maybe check that out. That might be more interesting than, than what's going on in your phone. I mean, do those you, are the things I would do. Do you think there's a role for, um, you know, when I was going through through school, um, it was they the educators themselves would hammer, you know, don't do drugs or this is your brain on drugs or don't smoke, you know, and that really it really made a difference. S- do you think there's a role for the educators to be, you know, properly training these kids that the technology is okay, but you know, here are some alternatives or, or, or here's some limits or maybe we, do you think we should be having courses talking about this, right? I think that what you said is exactly right. I think that there has to be a role for the educator in, in having those conversations. I think the kids today are going to ask a lot more questions. They're a lot more inquisitive. They want to know a lot more. And just the because I said so doesn't really work. You guys, <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah. you gentlemen each have five kids. I'm sure from your own experience know that that doesn't work. Well, because uh, I said so works pretty well in my house. <laughs> for a lot of people, it doesn't. Um, it's not work in my house. No, but just, just yeah. having yeah. The, the breaking it down for them and explaining and, and posing other things. I see a lot of friends who go out of town, they go into the woods, they're going to really cool you know, parks, 
And those experiences are really important, especially because you don't get uh, cell coverage there. <laughs> True. All right, great. Well, that's great. Okay, so hey, guys, we're going to have more with Dr. Brian Perlman. Um, his book is Whatever It Takes. So check it out. It's on Amazon. We're going to have more Eye on Health. Dr. Steve Harvey, myself, Eric, we're after these words. We're back, 97.1 Eye on Health. I'm Dr. Steve Harvey. we got Dr. Michael Jones, Eric Robert, and our special guest, Dr. Brian Perlman. Um, so to, to lead off, we're, we're going to talk more about this topic of mental health in schools. Uh, a few other things we want to we want to talk about. Uh, to start out with, I was w- I was wondering if you could tell us so if there are kids really struggling with their mental health in school, possibly they're being disruptive, their grades are going downhill. What are some of the more common scenarios you see in schools, or what what types of problems, what types of difficulties are these kids having? Sure. And it certainly, it's a great question. And it certainly does uh, run the spectrum, you know, in the yeah. different schools that, that I worked in, in the in the places that I traveled to, there's certainly uh, sky high numbers in anxiety, mm. uh, a lot of anxiety, a lot of depression, uh, a lot of things related to trauma. There's a whole line of research on adverse childhood experiences, they call them ACEs, and the impact they have immediately and and, and through life see a lot of that. You know, I, I used to say, and I still say as I travel around, you know, the kids that are acting up with the behaviors are actually doing us a favor. It's kind of a red flag. I'm not a big believer that things, you know, don't happen for a reason. I think pretty much every behavior, uh, there is some root cause or an antecedent for those behaviors. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I think, you know, we see a lot of that. One of the things I certainly would advise is, you know, keeping a really close eye on that and, and not letting things, uh, go really far. If you're talking about someone, uh, I say all the time, look for changes, yeah. changes in attitudes, changes in behavior, changes in appearance. Mm-hmm. Those are red flags. Those are things that you you don't want to uh, just kind of pass off or ignore, that those are types of things it's worth uh, delving deeper. There is a, yeah. a, a campaign that was out public service, something about, you know, embrace the awkward and having those those tough conversations asking the direct questions about, you know, I notice you're, you're acting different or you look different. Uh, yeah. What's going on? What do you need? How can I help? Or, yeah. you know, and so forth. I think yeah. that's really important. Yeah. Do, do the schools normally get that engaged in that? Like if, if there's a kid getting good grades and then the next semester they're getting terrible grades and they're isolating from their friends, things like that. Do the schools pull the kid aside and ask them about it or not? Or what, how are the school, how are the schools doing? In the schools I worked at, they most certainly did. And right. the, and the Was that just because that, of you? Or? Right, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I, I hope it's it's more prevalent, and that's yeah. certainly a big part of the trainings that you know. When I travel around, that we talk about uh, one of the best strategies I had is I used to stand outside, whether it's snowing or raining or hot or cold, and I would be like the king of bro hugs and fist bumps yeah. and high fives. And you know, parents were like, "Man, you just want all that." positive affirmation and actually it wasn't that was like level one triage is this student too high or too low or why are their eyes shifting back and forth and also set up a structure that before a kid could get to their classroom there'd be seven other adults so it'd be eight opportunities for us to notice something to have that conversation and you start building a profile over a period of time and our hope is that while it's still it's not a hundred percent effective that we train people on doing that very thing, doing the, you know, lean over into someone's ear, you know, did you eat last night? Where are you sleeping? How was your biology test? How was soccer practice? 
and how are you feeling? What's going on? Those little 30-second conversations can change a life trajectory and actually can save yeah. a life. You know, it's it's not yeah. the kid throwing chairs or or cursing or running out of the classroom that worries me. It's that quiet and compliant kid, you know, sitting in the third row with some dark stuff going on in their head and none of us know it's going on. That's the thing that keeps me up at night still. You know, I'm not even yeah. a practicing principal. I travel and talk now and I run my wife's a therapy practice, but that's still the thing that keeps me up at night. We try really hard to impress that upon school staff and also to parents. Yeah, got to keep an eye on the kids. There's a lot of stuff going on with Dr. Them. Perlman, we expect so much of our teachers nowadays, right? I mean, <laughs> they, they have taken so much responsibility on, um, but they are with our kids a significant portion of their life. How much training does a typical run-of-the-mill run teacher-educator get on these sorts of things, like these warning signs, because I just don't know. Do they train them to look for these things, or is it just like, look, just make sure the kid's <laughs> passing whatever the you know the state minimum requirements. How, how much training are they getting? And should they get more, I guess, is the question. So um, I'm, in the training world, I would love to put myself out of business. Uh, the phone does not stop ringing. The emails don't stop coming in. And the feedback that I hear is that there's not enough. There's not enough training on the mental health areas. There's not enough training on trauma. The teacher prep program, or even principal prep program, has very few courses that tackle any of these items. It's kind of like you're learning as you go. Um, really quick, you know, I kind of envision my, my wife's the social worker, so she's a therapist. Uh, Dr. Lena Perlman has a great practice here in town. Um, I've been an educator. Kind By of the way, the like, website for her practice is stlmentalhealth.com, stlmentalhealth.com, if you want to check that out. Thank you for that. That's awesome. We kind of felt like we were silos. You know, we were kind of these, I'm an educator, she's in mental health. Our worlds really never crossed 10, 15, 20 years ago. And it's almost like a Venn diagram now where these circles are overlapping because we would start having conversations about something that happened in school. And it was like, wow, that's mental health stuff. Or, you know, we're starting to get a lot more teens and kids in our practice and younger and younger with, you know, suicidal thoughts or depression or anxiety. And that's kind of where we started putting our heads together. Like, this is something we really have to be more involved in and doing more of the trainings and and kind of working more collaboratively and, you know, for, for the practice, that, that hat that I wear, we've always staffed our practice so that nobody would wait more than a couple days to be seen. Because as a principal, we might lecture a parent, like, shame on you for not taking your kid to be seen. And then the parent calls us and like, <laughs> Can't there's a three-month wait to see a therapist or a six-month right. wait yep. to see a psychiatrist. So it's kind of like, you know, for us, I think we'd really like to put ourselves uh, out of business, but the need is there we want to make uh, this painless as possible from the therapy practice side. But, like, I'm traveling everywhere. I'll probably be in all 50 states by the end of the year. Um, in the last two years, I think I've been in front of 20,000 people. And the feedback that I keep getting is we just don't get this anywhere. We don't get it in teacher prep. We're not getting it in our professional development. There's plenty of good research out there. There's plenty of good information. And for us, it boils down to the fact that we want to help change the life trajectory of the children in a positive way. And we know by doing the work that we're doing, we're actually uh, going to save a life. I mean, that's really important work. That's what we do every day and why we do it. Yeah. So, so when, when you have a kid who's really, really struggling with some kind of mental health issue and the school needs to try to find some help for them, what, how does that usually play out? And what, what kinds of options are there? And is that sort of help 
really available? How does that usually go? I think probably the first level of triage is the schools are staffed, you know, as much as they can be with counselors, mm-hmm. social workers, certainly. And I know we were speaking before the show that the the ratios aren't great. I mean, you may have a counselor with a 500 or more caseload. There's no way that wow. they can meet those needs in any effective way. And that, you know, probably the low hanging fruit, the most in need are, are getting that. Uh, we do work with a lot of the local school districts and a lot mm-hmm. of them have lists of providers that they send to. And quite frankly, we don't care if you send them to Dr. Lena Perlman and Associates or, or anybody. I mean, we just want the, the, yeah. the child or teen to get the care that they need. Or mm-hmm. if it's a bigger problem or a family-related thing that oftentimes we're seeing maybe the effects of something, but there's a deeper or bigger problem going on in the family that this is kind of like the conduit to helping the family structure, helping them through whatever they're dealing with. So um, that's certainly a, a good way, a great place if, if it's yourself as a parent, you know, to certainly to have that conversation with the teacher, school counselor first. And then uh, if, if the needs can't be met through, through the school, which likely won't be because they're not going to be anyone's personal therapist. They just don't have the time or resources uh, to reach out to uh, a mental health provider and particularly one that specializes in working with kids or teens. Yeah. What's the availability just nationwide or especially in St. Louis of those kind of mental health providers? Is it easy for them to find one or hard for them to find one? Or It's very hard to get in to be seen yeah. by most providers just being honest here and across the country. You know, it's not uncommon for someone, for a therapist uh, to wait, you know, weeks, if not weeks, maybe months and to see yeah. a child psychiatrist. You know, the only way you're going to see that in any timely way is to end up in the emergency room, which is so unfortunate. We should be you know, more proactive and, and be You're able right. to, to nip that, uh, you know, earlier. I know world, it, yeah. totally. Yeah. And, and again, not a, not a plug just for our practice, but I'm here. I might as well do it. Uh, we've already always staffed our practice so that nobody waits more than a couple of days to be seen. And sometimes even the next day, because again, when you have that emergent need or that crisis, nobody wants to wait, you know, three or four weeks to have something dealt with. And especially if it's in the depression world, or severe anxiety, that those things need to be addressed uh, as quickly as possible. Yeah, and I, I suppose in most cases it makes sense for the kids to see a therapist first, and then possibly or possibly not see a child see a child psychiatrist or or even the pediatrician. I think is sometimes a good a good option. Absolutely, yeah. I agree with that, and and because of the long lines to see child psychiatrists, because there just frankly aren't enough of them. Uh, that a lot of times the pediatrician is the starting point that with the therapist and oftentimes they may have relationships with psychiatrists that if it is a really big need maybe not quite the emergency room visit need Mm -hmm. can uh, hopefully get them to the front of the line a little bit quicker yeah yeah. boy so much so much to talk about here Um, unfortunately we're going to run up against a break but let me leave you with this loaded question you can think about it while we're on break paying the bills these are always the scary questions (laughs) then you can give us an answer and come back you know, and I'm not I'm not going to put down our educational system, but I will just say, you know, in the news, it's, you know, some aspects of our educational system are not working, right? They're not they're not keeping par with maybe the rest of the countries around the world. How much um even just a little bit of of mental health training for a teacher, allowing them to identify two, maybe three of the real serious mental health needs that they probably find, you know, once a year and getting those particular kids help, 
I wonder how much that would benefit our entire educational system. Now, I'm talking about not just how the room, you know, the classroom functions, but our test scores and all of that. You just wonder how much just a mm. little bit of mental health, you know, training would do. So let's let's yeah. chew on that while we're going to break. By the way, we're going to go to break real quick. When we come back, we're going to have more with Dr. Brian Perlman. Check out his book on Amazon, Whatever It Takes. Uh, it's on Amazon, by the way. What isn't? And then also check out the website, stlmentalhealth.com, stlmentalhealth.com. Stay tuned for more Eye on Health. After these words, we're back. Ninety-seven point one Ion Health. Dr. Michael Jones. I am Dr. Steve Harvey. We have Eric Robert running the board, and our special guest, Dr. Brian Perlman. So uh, we're talking about uh, the topic of mental health in schools, which we could probably do several hours worth, and we have uh, just a few minutes left here. So I, I think one thing I want to ask about now is so. So I've got you know, friends who are teachers, I've got a few patients who are teachers, and they are stressed out. I mean, these are, in general, smart, hardworking, underpaid people, really, really, really doing their best. What, what does this mental health crisis look like to a teacher? What's it like for them? What, 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 what's this like from their point of view? Yeah, well, certainly uh, teachers uh, are not immune to mental health concerns. And you know, from the perspective of the job, you know, certainly it is more complicated than it used to be. I had grandparents that both taught for like 40 years and mm. had other jobs and went away for the summer and whatever. That that job in education doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. And, uh, you know, anything in this world, in the mental health world, certainly the teacher back in the day would have had nothing to do with that. Mm -hmm. uh, today, you could just imagine how many hats uh, a teacher wears as much as being, you know, like a, a coach you know, for the students, like the the nurse, the nutritionist, all these needs that they're trying yeah. to help. The therapist, fill for. the social worker. Totally, yeah. everything. And and whether it's elementary where they spend, you know, seven hours uh, with your kids a day or, or in secondary where they might have hundreds of kids in a day, this is just one more thing added, this mental health world uh, yeah. to be paying attention to, to be working on. Uh, there is something called uh, secondary trauma. There is a lot of stress to the job. So we work a lot, whether it's through our practice or through the training, on this whole notion of self-care. And and I was kind of joking with you guys uh, during the break about a recent experience on a, on, a, on a flight. And the flight attendant pulled that mask down and looked right at me and said, you educators, you're the worst at this. You've got to put your mask on first. Take care of yourself before you can help someone else. And I yeah. kind of questioned, like, how did you know? Like, I was, I, was I wearing my my teacher wardrobe or how could you yeah. tell? And I guess it was the book I was reading and she had a relative and recognized that. But I share that message a lot because it's kind of like, you know, these these are folks who are very hardworking, very caring people who would always do anything for their student first but oftentimes at the cost of themselves. If you're not taking care of yourself, if you're not even monitoring the teacher in the next door and you're not having these conversations, that how could these situations not negatively impact the teacher when you have you know, students that are attempting suicide or self-harm or depressed and anxious, and then mm -hmm. adding to that the pressure of test scores and making sure that the kids achieve that you know, I have to do all these things, and if my scores aren't there, I might not have a job next year. Or even, let's go a step further, as the principal of a building, now you just have a much larger classroom with more people and, and more people, you know, more students that are, you know, counting on you, that this stuff, if it doesn't impact you, there, yeah. there's something wrong, you know? And yeah. and I yeah. think that, that the taking care of yourself, 
you know, having conversations that, you know, there certainly are a number of educators who see therapists for good reason, just yeah. to have an outlet and to build those self-care and uh, those strategies in yourself and build yeah. those really positive habits. Yeah. yeah. So, so what I want to know is, you know, for, for the sake of the teachers and also for the sake of the kids, what if, what if we, if we could crown you emperor of the schools for the whole country and you could, you could take control and do whatever you wanted what would you do? What, show, give us a pathway toward making this better. What, what, what would you do? So, uh, no pressure, Dr. Harvey. Thank you for that. Um, wow. Hey, yeah. Can you make me emperor of something, please? <laughs> I will. Emperor of eyeballs. Okay. Emperor okay. of the eyeballs. Okay. No. Well, with, with, beyond the, the pressure of that, uh, certainly, <laughs> yeah. if, if, it's kind of like I would say if I won Powerball or something yeah. and, and was able to do something. I think the, the first step clearly is to get... Uh, more more people in the schools to help support the students in the mental health world. Mm-hmm. Also having a lot of those same folks, the counselors are there, whether by design or otherwise, to help support the grownups there, to make sure that those resources are available uh, in a school or in a district or at least in a region that that are cost effective, that are, you know, use evidence-based strategies, you know, produce good outcomes. So certainly that's it. But I think even more so going back further is to make sure that these courses uh, are robust and have really good information Mm -hmm. so that teachers come into the field and it's not that the day one now they're starting to learn about these things that they're well equipped that they've worked with students who struggle with behaviors or have been traumatized or anxious not rather the first thing you do you know the the turnover Mm -hmm. rate for teachers in the first three to five years is better than 50 percent wow so from from a you know, it's it, in my mind, it, do, it didn't mean that these weren't great teachers. It was the fact that they may just not have been equipped and sure. not have the yeah. appropriate tools. And it's it not wasn't be- what they thought it was going to be. Yeah. Totally yeah. not. Yeah. And, and it's not that they weren't competent in teaching math or science or reading. It was the fact that they didn't have enough tools in their toolbox. And this is hard. I've been doing this for a really long time. I've been working with kids for 30 years. And there are kids that are challenging that would challenge me as a professional with that many years in. Um, it's it's crazy to think about somebody, you know, a 22 year old fresh out of school being thrown into some of these situations that I guess back to your question would be to have a lot more training yeah. prior to and then in the schools really have the training and trauma, mental health, et cetera. And I think that would definitely help quite a bit. Hey, Dr. Perlman, real quick here. Um, there, I'm sure there's certain certification qualifications that someone has to have in each state to get like their teacher certificate. I'm ge- I'm just I'm guessing. <laughs> there are. So. Um, you know, shouldn't we have mental health? You know, be like one of these certification things that they have to get. They have to take a certain number of courses that are like in this or or test out of it or something. Wouldn't that at least establish some sort of minimum understanding, or do they already have something like that? They don't already have something like that. It seems that. like that'd it be sh- a relatively easy thing to add to their certifications, right? Totally. It should be required. I know that starting in January, I'm going to be teaching a course for one of the universities in town, uh, trying to make the coursework uh, more of a trauma focus, more of some of the mental health pieces. Most just general education teachers take two courses that cover everything and more. It's just not enough. Oh, man. Well, thanks so much. Great information. Yeah. Steve, we're going to have to have him back on. Absolutely. Like Let's, we're going to do that. <laughs> several times to get to the root cause yes. of all of this. Thanks so much, folks. We had Dr. Brian Perlman on. Check out his book, Whatever It Takes for All Students to Succeed in School and Life. Dr. Brian Perlman, it's on Amazon. Check out his website, stlmentalhealth.com. Stay tuned for On the Money with Bob Stockdale. You want to, hey, 
That'll help your mental health right there. Let me tell you. <laughs> Everyone have a great fourth weekend. We'll see you next time. Down the hallway into the street. Get more at 971talk.com.